is a presentation of financial crisis recovery. Foreclosure, short sales, bankruptcy, credit card debt, job loss, depreciating home values, money management. Peace of mind when it comes to your finances seems completely out of reach under current conditions, but there is a way to achieve it. For the next 60 minutes, you're going to find out how to cover your assets. Cover your assets. Now, here's nationally renowned speaker and expert on getting you on the path to financial strength, Todd Rooker. Good morning, everybody. Yes, that's right. I am the man to help you do those things. And we have a fabulous show lined up for you here this morning with Megan and Angelo Ferboni. These folks are, uh, and, and if you've listened to the show in the past, you've heard, probably heard me talk about some of the people that I put a, a bit on a pedestal because they are, uh, uh, we'll call them real estate moguls in training. How about that? Uh, these guys are very successful at, at, at an early age. I am so impressed with them. And given their circumstances and uh, their challenges, who they are, and all of those things, their ability to overcome, to succeed, I think is inspiring, and I would love to uh, expose them to, to our show and the people who listen. So that's the reason I've got them on here this morning. So, Megan and Angelo, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, happy to be here. Well, it's it's we're going to have fun. So... Uh, first, I want to just begin uh, and uh, get, give people a sense of, of who you guys are. This is a, a married couple, and forgive me for this, but how old are you guys? 30. Uh, 28. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Maybe, you know, maybe I wouldn't have brought I feel so old just hearing that. I just don't even know what to do about it. Um, so, seriously, that is enormously impressive, my my. Two sons being 31 and 32. So um, <clears throat> you guys, uh, maybe I should first say, where did you guys grow up? Yeah, we actually uh, grew up in the same hometown. So we met in high school. We grew up in Princeton, Minnesota, which is about an hour north of the cities. Okay. Yep. You've been here ever since? Yeah. All right. And so uh, so what did you, did you go to? Did you go to college? I went to Northwestern private school just in Roseville. Yeah, and I went to the University of Minnesota. All right. So what made you guys decide to go to college in the first place? Is that something that was preordained within your families, or is it was it a conscious decision that you made that you, you wanted to do that? Yeah, for me, it, it was always just what I was going to do. Um, I was going to be a doctor up until my senior year, and then I my dad's a doctor, and I was like, you know, I don't really want to go to school for 13 years. So I was like, how can I still help people and problem solve? And engineering was the next best bet, and I had a math you know, math and science backgrounds. I was like, let's do that. So I went to the U for engineering. So you studied engineering. Very good. Very yeah. good. And Megan, same question. First generation college student over oh, here. You know, my parents in school, grandparents, yeah. nothing. Aunts and uncles. Um, was it something that your parents were highly motivated to do to, to have, have their daughter attend college and, and, and finish college? No, not necessarily. I, uh, wasn't even super motivated to begin with. So I was like, I'm just going to go to a community college. I don't want to take on a ton of debt. And then all of a sudden I got to this community college and was like, actually, I'm really smart. I actually want to do something in life. And then was like, okay, I'm going to school for communication. You, you arrived. Yeah. You figured that out. Figured huh? it out. Good decision. 
Well, all right, that's great. So where did you guys meet, given that you didn't go to college together? Where'd you guys meet? High school. Yeah, we met in high school. Okay, so I so and you you knew each other. Did you date in high school? Sure did. We did. Yeah, Megan was a senior TA in my sophomore gym class. I'm really sporty. Todd, <laughs> you don't know that. I have no idea what a TA is. So what a is teacher's that? assistant. So she okay. just it was basically okay. one of those ones where if you didn't really want to do anything for a period, you just helped out the gym teacher and uh, sat, yeah, sat on your phone the entire time. Uh, yeah. and, you know, flirted with underclassmen, apparently. Fine. Got Real it. life. Got it. All right, so so you guys are married. When did you, when did you get married? Right out of college? When you were in college, what? Uh, 2011. January of 2011. Angela was still in school. Yeah, yep. I was still at the I U. Graduated. I graduated. Yep. Uh-oh. Yep. I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it was like a little scary for a while. I mean, people were like, don't do it. Now we're like, it's the best thing ever. Yeah, I mean, because we've been, we've been together. What? I, just, I, I love what you just said. I didn't mean to No, go ahead. Best thing ever. Best thing ever. Marriage is the best thing ever. Oh, that's so Absolutely. Great Especially so when you're doing business with them, you know? Yeah, and that was the thing. I mean, I, I get it why people were, you know, hesitating because we were like, we got engaged at 19. I got married at 20. Um, I was still in school, but we had already owned two places at that point. So... It was kind of just like, well, we're not just dating to break records. Yeah. We know what we want. And so was on call, and she was like, what are you thinking? <laughs> we have two properties already. Look at our situation. Oh, my. Now, see, Please. okay, so we're going to jump right into that then. We're going to jump right into that. think. So, so tell me, tell me, that's, whoa. So tell me, you, when did you buy your first property? Yeah, so for me, it was between my freshman and sophomore year of college. Oh, um, wow. I had been basically living with uh, three or four guys, and we started looking at places for our sophomore year. And I was like, man, we're going to split a two-bedroom place for $2,500, $2,600, and I'm going to share an ensuite with a guy. I was like, this is ridiculous, so let me just go see what it takes to buy a property. This is that engineer in me. Like, I I don't like these details. So it was uh, 2009 at the time, and just pulled up, hey, what does a four-bedroom place cost? And I was like, oh, that mortgage is like half of what I'm going to rent for. Why don't I see if I can make this happen? And you were how old? I was 19. So, you know, I think that's an an interesting point in that you had the courage to do that. Because that's, for a lot of people, it does not even occur to them that they would buy real estate. I mean, my God, you know, I have people who at the age of 30 years old are fearful to buy their first property, let alone at 19. That's it. That that says something about you right right there. And, uh, you know. I don't know if that's something you can train or engender in somebody, but that's an interesting point. At 19, you, you had the the belief, hey, I'm just going to do it right. and buy a piece of real estate. So when you went ahead and, and did that, so so you're saying is, look, I and my roommates were all paying this much rent. Right. I immediately understood that there was this much money to work with on a monthly basis. Right. And the question just became, why would we rent if we could own and why not me be the landlord absolutely, um, as opposed to anybody else? Right. Yeah, I think a couple a couple things came together. Um, looking back, I think that I've always challenged assumptions, and that's why it was like, "Oh, you're an anarchist." <laughs> <laughs> well, and then there's the engineer in me where it's like, "This seems incredibly inefficient and ineffective. So why would I dump money into something when there's a different way?" So that was kind of the two things that came together. Wow. So what about this? Was it was there ever a thought that that you would be partners with some of your college roommates in this first endeavor? No. 
Good. No. <laughs> Good. I hope everybody heard that. Good. Partnerships never last, and those that do are on borrowed time. Absolutely. So, That's yep. All right. So very good. All right. So you bought this first property. So I want to hear. I want to hear in detail what was involved in that, and and did that open your eyes? Was was that an experience that that uh, enlightened you and, and allowed you to go farther here? Because obviously there was financing, and there yep. was this notion that you're in college. Where are you going to get the money to be able to qualify, and all those things? Did you need a co-signer? Let's hear yep. it all. Yeah, so what, what was really nice is one of my roommates had his mom worked with real estate agents. And so she's like, I'm going to set you up with the best guy in the office. And so he really laid it out to me. So I'll just say, just to start with, make sure you have a good real estate agent because they will make or break your experience. It's just not worth it not having a good agent. Um, so for me, just having someone who laid it out for me, here's your options. When I came to him, he had four options. Here's your options. Right away, we d- we decided two of them weren't viable. And then just looking at where I was, yes, I had stable um, work history. Yes, I had all that. But I didn't have a credit score. I didn't have any of that. Um, I had money saved up because I was planning on renting the next year. I was planning on getting married and getting engaged. So I had money saved up and all that. Not a lot. Though. Not a lot. No, not a lot. Um, but we realized that I wasn't going to be able to do this on my own. So what I ended up doing was... Um, identified kind of what the spend was. So I looked at what potential income could be with my roommates and then what I could translate that into a mortgage. And I definitely played it a little, little, uh, thin. I just wanted to break even, which I'm learning now is not the best way to do that. But basically went to my dad and said, Hey dad, um, if I buy a place, I can save a significant amount of money than renting, uh, on campus the next three years. Um, can I take out a loan from you? And so we did an FHA loan on a $200,000 property. And so I borrowed $8,000 from my dad and um, basically started managing a property. So, are you, so, so, one, did anybody along the way say, what are you thinking? <laughs> uh, you're only 19. You're not out of school yet. You're, you're thinking about getting married and you're going to buy uh, a college, essentially, dorm room here for you and your roomies. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and no one along the way said, Angelo, seriously. Yeah, I think it was because I, before I went into it, before I just threw a flyer out to my dad, I researched, this is what a mortgage is going to be. This is what my roommates are going to pay me. If I find a four-bedroom place, I'm going to make money on this. So for me, it was just boil it down to the numbers, present the numbers, and the numbers made sense. So no one was really like, wow, that's really dumb. Because I think, yeah, if I would have just gone to him right away, like, oh, hey, I'm thinking about uh, buying my own place, it probably would have got shut down right away. But I, I think just because naturally I'm curious like that, so I just, what is this actually going to take? And because I had that picture when I brought it to my dad, it was like, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Let's go ahead and do it. So, uh, folks, I want you to, to re- 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 reminisce with me when we talked with, with Ken McElroy about the fact that he said, a guy who now owns $700 million in real estate, that he never has to sell a deal because when the numbers work, the deal sells itself. Yep. Yes. And that is exactly Absolutely. what Angelo just said. Although he was young, and I'm certain his father and everybody else, the real estate agent, mortgage broker, everybody included, was keenly aware of that. But when the numbers worked... And and he knew how to put the numbers together in such a way that it made sense. It wasn't an issue anymore. Yeah. So what about the financing? Did you need a co-signer or were you able to do it on your own? Yeah. So my dad co-signed with me on that. And um, that was basically for the, you know, I didn't have the credit score to back it up at that point. Right. In hindsight, would you have done anything different in terms of credit score? Do you know now how you might have tried to build that credit score by that point? Maybe not have needed the, uh, the co-signer. I, I think you would have no matter what. Because yep. you didn't have any form of income, whatever, at that point, right? I had been working. I had oh. been supervising a, a water park for a couple of years, 
And that was very consistent. The only thing is because I was in school, I went full-time, part-time, full-time, part-time. Sure, and so sure. banks at that point were very much looking at um, income history. And right. um, so that wasn't stable. So, so I think looking back, probably couldn't have got around it, not having a cosigner. Um, but then there's also different options for building, you know, right. wanting to get. get and remember, folks, if, if you have a signed lease with tenants, you can offset about 70 percent of the financial obligation, meaning the ability or capacity to show income to be able to make that income to be able to make that payment. So much of that can be taken away when it's a legitimate investment property with tenants who are willing to make make a sign a lease. So, but nevertheless, I understand at 19. So let's keep going here. What about, what about the mortgage process? What about moving in? What about collecting money from your friends? (laughs) Yeah, it was, I mean, definitely jumping into the deep end. Um, you go from living in a dorm and having everything right there for you, um, to, Oh, I have to set up my bills and mow the lawn and, um, take care of issues. So just even juggling the friend hat and the landlord hat, it was just, I wasn't prepared for that. I didn't, I didn't psych myself up enough going into that. And so the mortgage process, yeah, just basically went through all of that. You know, um, at, at this point, the mortgage process is what it is. They basically have it down to a science. So I had to basically submit a bunch of letters of explanation on why I didn't have good, you know, credit and that didn't have a stable, uh, history and all that. Um, but the co-signer definitely helped. So just submitted all the financials on that. And then I, if I'm remembering, I I remember where I was when I got the signed offer. I was actually, cause I was uh, supervising a restaurant at the time too. I was working two jobs and I was between shifts and my dad came in. He's like, Oh, we got our offer, our offer accepted. And so it was nine years ago this month, actually, that we bought that first property. Oh man. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, so, you know, I, I just wrote a post last night and I said, you have to put yourself in uncomfortable positions. And as a result, you learn at an accelerated pace. Mm-hmm. You becoming a young man at only 19 and a landlord who has to be the responsible party yeah. and make sure that everything is done. Everything is, is fixed, handled, mow the lawn. That was exactly that for you, wasn't right. it? Well, and here is the crazy thing about it. The, so we got the accepted purchase agreement. We closed. One week before closing, I had two of my roommates who were lined up to sign with me say, oh, by the way, I'm transferring to Stout. And the other guy's like, you know what? It, the the place was two miles off campus. like, you know what? I don't want to live that far off campus. I'm signing a lease with some other guys. Oh. So two of my four renters, one week before I'm supposed to close, bailed. Cliffhanger. Yeah. Oh. So, <laughs> so that was, I was like, oh, this isn't going to be a chip shot. So what did you do? I found a friend of mine who he had a year left, and him and his girlfriend were... Uh, moving in together down at the U and they, I had been talking to his brother and he's like, yeah, they're looking for a place and they just can't, they keep finding like efficiencies for exorbitant amount of money. And I'm like, dude, I got a room that just opened up. Just come in with me. And so they moved in and it was just kind of worked out that way. That is, that is awesome. Yeah. That is just awesome. And, 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 you know, the fact that you were undaunted and just went into this thing, you know, head first, I just love it. Megan, were you kind of impressed by the fact that this guy that, that you really <laughs> liked was able to pull that together at only 19? I mean, yes, but no. I mean, I'm never surprised. He's always tip of the spear, trying something new and succeeding while doing it. So I was like, okay, you do, sweetie, you do, you do that. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, I mean, so, I mean, that actually just the whole, the whole mentality, um, of having that 
you know, uh, 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 audacity to just let's do it. Mm-hmm. You know that that you know that that's something for you folks who are listening. Um, who you know, I think it's ironic because that post I wrote last night was so much about what people think and everybody. You know, hey, stay stay with me. Don't don't jump out and try to be extraordinary or unique. Just right. just hang with the crowd. Because right. if you had to, if you had done that or listened to that type of thought. Uh, you wouldn't be where you wouldn't. You cannot no. listen to no. your yeah. friends I mean, or family. You got to do what you Oh, my. Right. That Come is so on. good. Yes. That, is, that is so we, good. We tell people all the time because we have we have friends that we just don't talk real estate with because they think that we're we're absolutely crazy for doing it. And it's like, I, I get it. It's it's not arrogant for me to say I understand that you don't understand. Right. And And that's fine. We just won't talk about it because. If if I if we entertained every conversation where someone was like, I can't believe you're doing this. Why would you do this? I was like, people in 2009 told us not a property. People told us not to buy a property because the market was going back up. People in 2010 told us not to buy a property because the market was going back up. Every single year since, they've been like, what? Just wait for it to crash again. I'm like, if the numbers work. Now they work. What what that really means is wait to wait and right. do nothing. That's, right. that's what that really means, yeah. you know. Because you know, and, and, and you know, it's this whole. I got to get all my ducks in a row because realistically, I'm not going to do anything. So yeah. this is just a, a, a comfortable excuse, right? Um, I think there's another important point now, uh, Angelo. You work for a company mm-hmm. uh, in engineering. That's that's your profession. And Megan owns her own business, right? Yeah. So this is a wealth concept we, we've talked about on the show where you've got one person who has a stable, steady income who essentially provides that nice, stable income with benefits for the family. And you do have a family, and we'll talk about that in a sure moment. Mm-hmm. And, and the other one then is free because we don't need that money necessarily to live and we can use that money to grow our wealth, grow our business, buy real estate, do all those kinds of things. Yep. But... When you got out of college, Megan, did you go to work for somebody and then determine that you were going to be an entrepreneur, or have you always known that you would you would go in that direction, or or maybe did Angelo give you some courage to do that as 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 a team? Yeah, I uh, always said that I never wanted to start my own business just because <laughs> that just sounded so scary, and I like to play things a little bit more safe. Angelo is more of like the big thinker, risk taker, or he was. Um, now I would say we're together in that. Um, but I would say, yeah, graduated college was like I'm just gonna you know find an awesome job, found my dream job, loved it, and then we had our first baby was like, I am so sick of paying childcare costs, commuting, working 60 hours a week. I came home one day and was like, Angelo, I can't do this anymore. Can I just up and quit my job? And I mean, we're what at that age, like 26 and 24, no, way no, less no. than that. We were 22, 24, maybe we were, we were babies. Yeah. Um, came so home so said, what, was, what was your dream job? What was your dream job that you were so excited about? Yeah, um, I just had this awesome marketing job at uh, Caribou Coffee in the marketing department. It's my dream job. Loved it so much. Modern Such a people. great company. Yep. Even though I'm drinking Starbucks right now, so Ooh. sorry. <sighs> Love Caribou. <laughs> um, loved it. It was so perfect. But after having a baby, it was just not right for me anymore. And um, so came home, was like, Ange, can I quit my job? He's like, well, let me run the numbers. Run the numbers. And he's like, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Always the, the yeah. engineer, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With our real estate portfolio you can quit your job i was like okay so i just quit my job stayed home with our new baby and was like what am i gonna do and then one of my 
business mentors, her name is Stacey Stratton, she runs a really incredible company here, was like, you can do it. I started my own business. You got it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Here we go. And best decision I've ever made. It's like so freeing. Run your own schedule. Have your own clients. Mm-hmm. It's the best. And Megan, you have you since since we've met and since we worked together, you have impressed me immensely with your with your business acumen, the fact that you built your business, that you do seminars. She does. I talked about the fact that I've attended seminars that she's done on social media and social marketing, and it's just just phenomenal um, what you've done. I I got to grab onto the one thing before we take a break here, Angela, which I thought Megan said intriguing point. Run the numbers before we make the decision. This is something that I pound on continuously with people, which is that most people do what they want to do and then come home and try to justify why it's okay, as opposed to looking objectively at the numbers and determining with all things considered, all the ancillary changes and expenses that you'll encounter as a result of doing this thing. Does this make sense or not? And then looking at your partner, your right. team member, and saying yes or no, we can do this, and you both know what that means. Mm-hmm. That alone, as a decision-making tool, is enormously powerful. It's the reason yes. I talk about the budgeting and all of that stuff. Yep. yep. Because you knew you could make it. You knew you could survive based on where you were at that time, and Megan only needed to make this much or 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 not at all or yeah. whatever to be able to make it work so you felt comfortable even at that young age. And again, it's about, it's not this leap of faith it's that the numbers work yes yeah 100 percent. oh man so listen i hope you guys are enjoying this we're gonna take our first break here um we are sitting with megan and angelo Fraboni. uh megan has her own business it is if you want to uh, dial up the website it's uh well i'll let you give it give it all out. right Go ahead. so my business is the communication boutique the website is com short for communication com boutique.com so c o m m b o u t i q u e dot com and the phone number if you want to get in contact with Megan when this is over because they do, they're going to be doing seminars because you uh, do want to get in contact absolutely <laughs> yeah. absolutely they're going to be doing seminars and classes on how to do what they've done they they now own several properties and they do classes and are teaching other people how to do the same the phone number 763 three zero nine two six two these folks are the epitome of everything that i talk about this notion that if you don't make millions of dollars you have no hope of success in america it's absolutely incorrect mm-hmm. anybody can do this but you have to have the strength of character and belief and you have to know how to work the numbers to make good decisions we'll be back in just a moment Hard to start until you hear that first thunder, Joe. <laughs> you gotta cue up the thunder part faster. There it is. Yeah. And welcome back. So we're here with Megan and Angelo Ferboni. We're talking about their business, about they their their path to becoming a real estate. Uh, about their their entrepreneurial endeavors and the fact that you can do it too, and this is accessible. And moreover, just as you listen, know that Megan and Angelo are uh, put together classes 
uh, one class about uh, real estate investing, another one about Airbnb, RBOs, and how to make money in those, which is something they're thoroughly engaged in as well. Yep. And all of this, uh, all of this uh, is is available by simply calling them seven six three three zero zero nine two six two, or of course you can also uh, just visit Megan at her website. Actually, you've got a you've got another website which is Frontier Advert Advising Front mm-hmm. Frontier Advising dot com, uh, which I suspect is your real estate endeavors. Yes. Is that right? Yep. Okay, so that's really the one you want to go to. And then as you listen to this, if you want to hire uh, a, a thoroughly impressive and and uh, helpful and successful person with your marketing, your social media, and, and and the like, this is what she does. She's a consultant for all marketing and social media, and she is extraordinary. I've gone to uh, a class with Megan and learned more in one hour than I've learned in my lifetime up to this point. It was enormously <laughs> oh, beneficial for an, for an old fart like me. It was he was just taking great. notes like wild. Yeah, man. Just I got I actually, paper. Yeah, I actually uh, just, just uh, scanned in my notes. I had six yeah. pages of notes, six full pages of notes in your in your four-hour seminar, was it? Four yeah, hours? Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was excellent. And I've already implemented a lot of those things. And, and uh, anyway, so tell me, you, you know, you went into business for yourself. You came home one day and I said, I, I can't do this. We're spending all this money on daycare, running back and forth. Uh, it's killing me, honey. I need, to, I need to do this on my own. You sought out other people, uh, uh, someone you know who was already doing it. And she said, absolutely, you can do it. But it's not as simple as all of that. You actually have... Have to have to create a business, and actually, there's more to it than just simply being a practitioner. You are now in business, which is a different thing all all by itself, right? All together, right? Yes, it is. It is. Yeah, I had to really learn a lot because I was the first generation to you know go to college, really start my own business that I wanted to grow, and so I just surrounded myself with people who ran businesses. I'm a firm believer and you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So I was filling my life with lots of business people, one of them being Todd Rooker. All, all yep. these lessons, all yes. these lessons, you know, that, that you, you just, she just dumped a bomb. That point of your 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 five closest friends, mm-hmm. and you become a part of that. That's was that whole point about who your sphere is. If the people you're talking to are all downers and all bummers and are, and and don't have any interest in any of this stuff, invariably you keep hanging around with those people. They're going to bring you down. And they're going to keep you in that position. Mm-hmm. You yep. have to find people who will lift you up, encourage you, and you have to believe that you can do it too. And then of course you do. Right? Yes, absolutely. So that's what we did. Is we found people who were also doing it. Um, just surround ourselves with really successful people who are also like-minded, and um, that was so helpful. So tell me, though, specifically, what were the things that you did in the day? The day you decided you were going to start your business, what were the steps that you took to begin to market, to bring in clients, to do what you needed to do? I don't want a, a book of it, but just quickly. Yeah, yeah. first I cried because that's scary <laughs> to start your own business. Um, but then I just did all that basic stuff of just like filing your business. I called people like, hey, how do I get my first client? What does this even look like? I started writing down my goals. What filing your business? After? I mean, you mean like you became a corporation or what do you mean? No, just like an LLC. You just uh, go to yeah. Secretary of State. So don't website. you have to buy a big building to do that or is that just a piece of paper? <laughs> you know, I wish our you know, rental portfolio could just like buy a big building. Yeah. But, you know, at the time we couldn't. So we, I just did it out of my house. I uh, had my computer just started. I'm a huge fan of like just start somewhere, even yep. if it's it not perfect. Just go. 
just get to 80%, it's fine. You might not like end where you started. And that's so cool. I started with a business model that is not my business model now. And um, it molds and it moves and it's great. That's the best thing about running your business is just start. So you had to, you, you went to Secretary of State. Did you go to the website or did you actually go downtown to to? Oh, no, I went business? to the website. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Of course, you're, of course. A, you're a millennial. Yes. Uh, why would I leave my <laughs> yes, couch if I have to? And so she, you created your LLC. Um, you had to go and open a business bank account. Right? Yeah. Was that an account. experience? Yeah. Yeah, it was just odd to just like set it all up. Coming up with a company name was like a little crazy, but I was like, you know what? I'm just picking it and I'm going for it. And people don't really care about the name as long as I'm doing good work. And that's all I wanted to do was just find awesome clients, do really good work for them and get paid to do it. Very yeah. good. Well, and, and there's, you know, as I, as I, as I look at your business, one of the first things that jumps out at me is most people tend to want to build a business. And when they build a business, they name it after themselves, which, of course, means it has virtually no hope of being sold if it is successful right. in the future. Right. The fact that you created a business that is not your name, that could be sold and someone else might be willing to buy it because it's got its own brand recognition. That might be a component of your knowledge in marketing. Am I right or am I yeah, wrong about that? Totally right. But uh, no one wants to buy a business called Megan Fraboni. <laughs> what? No. Very good. Very good. All right. And so how did you acquire your first clients? What was your, how did you go about doing that? I just networked like crazy. I, you know, even though I had a new baby at home, I was like, I'm going to get up because I need to make this work and people aren't just going to come to me. I actually need to do some. So what does that here. mean when you say network? What does that mean? specifically? Yeah, I just figured out who's my target market. Well, I needed people who had money. Right. Companies that were thriving and needed marketing help. So I just went to networking events, a lot of like women networking events, and just put it up there. Um, it was just like, hey, looks like your website needs some help. Do you want some help? Like, I can help you do this. And just started with clients, and it was just awesome. Well, wow. how did you, how did you, come up with a pricing structure as to how, because I know in the beginning, you just want clients money anyway, anyhow. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of times you kind of, sho you know, shoehorn it in or, yeah. or, or uh, bootstrap it to get, get some money. And then you yes. actually come about what your pricing will be once you actually have some, some, some revenue rolling in. Yeah. I mean, I think I started out charging like $40 an hour and then I realized <laughs> yeah. like, Oh wait, I think I'm losing money yeah. after childcare and taxes. Well, I think the, that. I think the beauty of it too was, because when I ran the numbers, I was like, if you if you make $500 a month, we're back to normal. Like, yeah, we'll tighten the belt. We'll make it work. We'll do all that. And so for her, it was like she, she didn't have that urgency to make money, which is why I think she's so successful is because I think if you chase money right away, you're cutting a lot of corners and you're playing the short game. And so for her, she just wanted to go out and find good clients and do good work. And if you find a client and you do amazing work at $40 an hour, they will pay for amazing work at $80 an hour. They will pay for amazing work at $120 an hour. And so, yeah, client one and what two. What is your billable hour hourly rate at this point? One fifty. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. And for I know, I mean I know for a lot of people they're going oh my god that's a, that's a ton of money, but you know uh, as you say this I think about because I'm always helping people with money management I'm thinking about somebody who makes forty fifty sixty thousand dollars a year now immediately I know what the take home pay is to that you guys have how many children three you have three. three children so the cost of daycare if you were to put all three kids in daycare is what oh, oh I don't even want to know I mean give me give Jeez. me a guesstimate. 
Well, we have a mania. I would, male, say, it's, mania, I would say it's close so. to 2000 a month, isn't it? I, oh, oh, more absolutely. than that. More absolutely. than that. All right, so, so let's subtract that out from your take-home pay. Right. Let's subtract out the cost of gasoline and all the things that you have to pay for to be able to just get to work. And then we wind up with this itty-bitty little bit of money that right. actually gets injected into yep. the household. Now, you had benefits, but Angelo also had benefits, so that right. was double covering you that you didn't need anyway. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so you did the math and immediately said, wow, if I can be at home to take care of the kids, have the flexibility to work, I don't really need to make that much more money to be able to make this all work out. Mm-hmm. Right. Fabulous. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, that's. I mean, I'm just trying to drill down to the numbers and say this is kind of how you look yeah. at those things. And I think it helped. We were living in a four bedroom house. We had roommates when yeah. we had a baby. Like yeah. no one does that. But right. we also didn't have a mortgage then. Absolutely. Mortgage. So. Yeah, and, and that's that's the whole point of you have to be willing to do things that other people aren't willing to do. Yeah. I, I listen to people grumble about the fact that they don't they can't imagine not having two cars. Half of them have three cars. And I can tell you that my wife and I were making really good money. We were te- I was tearing it up and my wife, my, my kids had activities and we lived on one car for almost 10 years. Wow. So yeah, we were one car. What, two years into our marriage? Yeah. And that allowed us to do a lot of things that we wouldn't have been able to do if not for that. So those are all really big decisions. So, I mean, you started your own business. You got the thing off the ground. You built... Now, how many years have you now been in business for yourself? Still not that many. I mean, what is it? Four years? Four or five... Four years? Well, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. That's coming up on four. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. I mean, and and at this point, at this point, you make far and away more money than you ever made working for. Hundred <laughs> percent. And the amount of hours that you're working is way, is less. way less. Isn't and that we're something? having way more fun, and yes. I love my clients. And yep. Isn't that something? So yep. you know, one person keeps their day job, the other person becomes the entrepreneur. Find a way to structure your personal finances so you can, in essence, live mostly on that person's mm-hmm. steady income, and that gives the other person the flexibility and the strength to be able to go mm-hmm. out and create a business that can create wealth. Yep. That's one of our concepts, folks. Let's take a break. We'll be right back with Angelo and Megan Fraboni talking about how you can build wealth and build a real estate empire in your life. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. So happy to have these guys on, uh, Megan and Angelo Fraboni. This is a young married couple, have three kids, and in the face of all of that, have found a way not only to have Megan start her own business coming up on her fourth year, successful year, that is, in business as a marketing and social media consultant uh, for you and your business, if you're listening, uh, give her a call, and uh, Angelo, who is an engineer, and they have built a real estate portfolio and built a business and, you know, just, you know, not, not, not yet 30 years old. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So for everybody out there who says it can't be done, there's, uh, there's no opportunity <laughs> in America. It all sucks. Well, I think the part that sucks is between your ears. That's yeah. the part. Yes, yes you know? absolutely. So, you know, we, as, as is typical, uh, at the break, we tend to talk about some of the most poignant things. So I would love, Angelo, to have you just talk a little bit about what we did at, at our break about your expenses. Yeah, absolutely. I think something that helped us very early on was we we always bought on the lower end of what we qualified for. And we always made sacrifices in what we lived in. So for me, 
I lived in a four-bedroom place with four roommates, my first property. Then we got married, and we moved out. We qualified up to 150000 Wait a minute. For- now, that, that's the point. You moved out, and you kept that property. Correct. So you weren't leaving. So now you're going somewhere else, and you still have this first property, yep. which now you're not even occupying anymore. Yep. It is purely an investment property. Yep. I call, I call it the property wake. Right. You've got a wake and, of properties behind And, and so, folks, the point I'm trying to make is, they did not sell that property and take its equity and roll it to the next property that they lived in. Because remember, an investment property is an asset that generates income. The home you live in is a dead investment. Yes. You don't make money on the home you live in unless, of course, you do Airbnb. Unless you do Airbnb. <laughs> like you guys, yeah, yeah. Right. So, so the, that's the main point because everybody's logical transition is, of course, we'll take that money and we'll use it to put the downstroke. And now that money becomes dead in the house and it's not usable. Yep. It's not generating income. And remember, the the way you look at investments is, does it cost me money or does it make me money? And your house costs you money. It Mm -hmm. is not an asset in the asset column. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, keep going. Yeah, so left the property on our wake there, meaning we kept it. And as an investment, and then we qualified, I think, up to 150 to buy our next property, and we ended up buying a $51,000 condo. It was a 670-square-foot condo. Nothing sexy about it. No. I mean, it was just beige on beige on beige and just a fresh coat of paint, and the property value went up instantly. Um, but, yeah, so we went Property value went up instantly. That's yeah. what you just said. Yeah. Okay. And we, um, so we lived there for two years, and then actually it made more sense for us to move back into that single-family home and have roommates and rent out the condo. So we ended up renting out the condo, moved back into the single-family home, had two renters with us, had our first baby at that time, and then just started saving money then because we didn't have a mortgage to buy our next place. So now, so now saving for a mortgage for your third property. Correct. And you're how old at this point? Early uh, 20s. 22 or 23. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is Awesome. That yeah. is unreal. So the the condo, you, were you able to cash flow that right away? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. How much? And your you, mortgage was like maybe five hundred. No, our mortgage, our mortgage and association fee was four seventy. And and your and and your and your rents were how much per month? Um, at one point we got it up to eleven hundred. Um, after it was about a thousand. Thousand bucks. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so and, and look, ironically. That difference between what did you say the total mortgage was at, with the association was four seventy five. Yeah, so, it, so you got five hundred bucks a month, and and it's not we talk about whether or not it's pure cash flow or not, but there's five hundred bucks as a spread, and all and we talked about the fact that just to bring Megan home required another five hundred dollars. You created five hundred dollars in monthly income just with that one acquisition, and you only paid how much for it? Fifty one thousand. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. So keep me going here. The next one, saving for the third property. Yeah. So we, we moving back into the home with roommates, we were able to just save all that money because we didn't have a mortgage anymore. And so that's a that's a point where we got creative and flexible in our living situation where we're off the charts extroverts. So we're like, okay, having roommates isn't that bad. And the property was really split up for it. We had two bedrooms and a master bathroom upstairs. And the main floor had two bedrooms and a nice bathroom. So it was a nice living situation. But we saved up money and we're able to put uh, money down on our next place. And that one actually turned into an unintentional flip for us. We bought a Tudor in South Minneapolis. We ended up finishing the basement and the market had gone up. So we ended up just selling that and rolling those profits into our next property. Oh, fantastic. Because we were going to stay there. We wanted to stay there. It was a great area and a great house, but we're like, ah, we're not ready to settle down yet. <laughs> so, so back, so back to the keeping the expenses low. Yeah. 
I mean, folks, the, the main point I want to make is the way I may say this regularly, the way people measure their financial success is with lifestyle. And lifestyle is, again, all dead money. You know, a nice car, uh, a nice house that you live in that doesn't make you any money, nice trips, nice handbags, nice, nice restaurants. And all of that money isn't making you any money. And maybe later on in your life, you can enjoy those things. But in the beginning, you have to forego those things so that the money you do have to work with can be put to work. And you guys were impressive to me from the moment I met you because I, I the first time we sat down, I looked at your real estate portfolio. I looked at your incomes, which were shockingly high for your age. And then I looked at the cars that you were driving and the minimalist <laughs> lifestyle. And I said, these people are on their way to enormous success. And you had no desire to go and buy brand new cars uh, or or any of those things. So those these are all major tips to you uh, that you have to forego lifestyle for a period of time. At some point, you can begin to enjoy those things, but you have to do it to get the ball rolling so that you have income that is not generated by you going to work. So at some point, then you can really get on the fast track. we got to take another break here, and we will be right back with Angelo and Megan Ferboni talking about how to build a real estate empire, even if you're not even 30 years old yet. We'll be right back. Come. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Won't tell you a story about a woman that I know. She steal the show. Why not? All right, we got it. Keep rolling here. We're going to run out of time here. I want to give, uh, for everybody's listening, look, if you want to emulate what these two have, have done, or you want to at least try to duplicate some component of what they've done. The whole point is you need to hang around with people like this. You need to to listen to them. You need to talk like they talk, walk like they walk. And that then becomes your reality, as opposed to what it is right now that may have you not doing any of these things. So uh, they are in the business of business, they own real estate, they've done it, and they continue to do it, and they continue to grow. They are considering another property in Florida, which we're obviously going to have to talk yes, about. Yes, we here. are. Um, and, uh, and, and you can benefit from these guys. So, Megan, why don't you tell them when your next class is, when your next seminar is, that they can come and learn about how to do this. Yeah, we run a company called Frontier Advising where we help people achieve their goals, You know, set their dreams, buy real estate to increase your income, build wealth, all that good stuff. And so we have our first class, which is all about real estate investing basics. Yep. So we're answering all the scary questions. We're putting our 10 years of investing into a two-hour workshop. Um, basically, any question you have on real estate investing, we are going to answer. It's on Thursday, August 30th from 7 to 9 p.m. And you can check that out on our website, FrontierAdvising.com. Thursday, August 30th from 7 to 9 p.m. And the cost of this seminar is? Almost free. It's yeah. like $125. 125 yeah. bucks. So, uh, look, <laughs> I don't walk across the street for 125 bucks. <laughs> you come to see me, it's 250 bucks. I don't care if you want to talk about the weather, you're paying me. So, to learn something that could literally be life-changing, provided yep. yes. that you implement, yep. that you actually do it, it will be the best information you've ever gotten, and it hopefully will just be the first step in in a in a journey that takes you where you want to go. This has nothing to do with your day job. This has nothing to do with your income, and you're not limited by those things, as these two can obviously attest. Yep. They've done it. 
And I say on the show often, it's a lot easier to build wealth when you have some money to work with. And I'm not going to back away from that. It is true. But the truth is, you don't need that much. Right. And you can really, really succeed and, and, and do like these guys have done. And they are an inspiration. I mean, they should be an inspiration to anybody who's listening to this. You're also doing another seminar, yep. which is really intriguing for someone who may already own a home and wants to create income with that and maybe do something like Megan has done. Yep. Talk about that. Yeah, so this one's exciting. It's it's really changing the game. So on September 20th, we have a short-term rental, you know, Airbnb and VRBO basics class. What's great about this is the barrier to entry is so much lower. If you own a home, you'd be surprised how many people come to your area and would want to rent your home out for a weekend. And so we're we're going to go through the basics, what you need to know, how you need to start up. Just why don't you talk about why don't you talk about that experience with yourselves personally? Because you guys do this. Yeah, so we moved into our like long-term home a year ago. And um, Megan was so happy. Hallelujah. So yeah. no happy. Roommates, right? Okay. Yeah. So backyard and all that. And um, we were someone put a bug in our ear about rents get out on Airbnb and VRBO. And we we're like, who's going to rent? Who? We don't live in the city. Who's going to come out to our place? So we put it on Airbnb one night for three hundred dollars a night where we thought that was three hundred dollars. So we woke so we woke up to a nine day in a row rental and a weekend rental. And we're like, oh, man, we need to go higher here. And so we walked it up, and we're renting our home out for a significant amount of money. We're renting our home out for a thousand dollars a night. Yeah, thousand dollars a night. Thousand dollars a night. People have no idea how much so, money you can make. All right, so you're still there though during that time, right? <laughs> no, we vacate for the okay, weekend. Okay, so you get you go somewhere else for the weekend. We're out for this a weekend. fraction of that cost. We're yeah. staying with Maybe. Todd Rooker this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and Todd, while, you and while your you're doing that, you're making a thousand dollars over the weekend. Yep, and a lot of our home expenses are now deductions and write-offs and all that. And now you're getting tax benefits. And becoming yep. tax efficient within a single family home more so than anybody else. Yeah, taking a liability and turning it into an asset. Unbelievable. Yeah. We Unbelievable. have yet to pay our own mortgage on this. Yeah. And, and, that, and that class, again, is when? That is September 20th, 7 to 9, um, going over the basics of short-term rentals. And they can find out more about that by going to FrontierAdvising.com, yep. right? Their phone number is 763-300-9262. Megan and Angelo, it has been a privilege and a pleasure. Thank you for great. being on. Thanks, Todd. Yeah, thanks for having us. All right. You can do it, too, folks. You can do it, too. Bye-bye. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples... Temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.